Welcome to the Tax Factor, the top 20 business and investment podcast from Blick Rothenberg, the tax, accounting and business advisory firm. This week with Roger Holman and Robert Salter. Welcome to the Tax Factor, the top tax podcast that keeps you up to date on all the latest tax news, updates and silly stories about VAT cases, which are always popular unless you're a tax expert trying to navigate our outdated and at times ludicrous tax rules. With me this week is our regular guest, Robert Salter. Robert, welcome back to the Tax Factor. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This week, we're going to be having a chat about politicians and their tax returns, the never-ending saga of HMRC and service levels, some oddities around employment, and if we've got time, a warning to keep an eye out for tax scams, especially at this time of year when some people are making payments to HMRC, or they probably should have already done. Robert, politicians from our major political parties have been releasing their tax returns lately, which has garnered some interesting press comment. As is always the case, you can't necessarily believe what you read in the papers, can you? Absolutely. You know, there's been a lot of comments, some of it quite critical of the likes of Lishi Sunak and Keir Starmer, and the fact that their effective rate of tax has been quite low when you can consider the kind of the overall level of income and capital gains that they've had. So, for example, Keir Starmer had I think a 25% effective rate of tax when you look at the capital gains and the income he earns. Lishi Sunak was about 23%. And there's been you know, criticism of them for having those relatively low taxes. But I do feel a lot of that criticism is unfair. You know, the reality is they've done nothing questionable or aggressive from what we know. You know, we've had a capital gains tax rate at 20% for a number of years. And the fact is they genuinely made capital gains. You know, in Keir Starmer's case, it was a donkey farm slash field that he had for his mother. And the fact that he's made some money on that, well, everybody's made money on it. And the reality is he owned it for 25 or 30 years. So there's no kind of inflation relief within the UK capital gains tax system. So when people talk about you know somebody having only paid 20% on a £276,000 gain, the reality is in real economic terms, that gain was not £276,000 when you take into account inflation. So his real effective rate of tax on it would have been considerably higher. We don't know exactly how high, you know, we don't know how much he paid for it initially, etc. But I think they've been very misleading in a lot of those stories. And I think the bigger issue, the sadder issue is they focus on things like this, which are quite minor. And then a lot of the major issues and problems we have in the tax system, they've tended to be ignored. So things like the child benefit clawback or whatever, there's much less common to both those things, which affect a lot more people. And in many respects are much, much less fair. There's a lot of cliff edge systems in our taxes that really do discourage working at some stages, aren't there? Absolutely. You know, if you are, for example, earning fifty to sixty thousand pounds a year and you have a spouse or partner who's claiming child benefit, the reality is if you've got two kids, your effective rate of tax is sixty five percent. If you've got three kids, your effective rate of tax would be seventy one percent. It's much more sensible in many cases to say, actually, rather than working five days a week, should I work four days a week or three days a week or something like that? And your net position won't be fundamentally much worse off, especially from an overall lifestyle perspective. It's amazing that politicians seem to release their tax information and get chastised when actually they should be chastised about the terrible tax system that we've got. I mean, talking about the terrible tax system, we've got a really complex set of rules that a lot of people are falling over. There's a lot of press comment about the child tax benefit charges hitting in and people getting caught with massive penalties. And at the same time, HMRC are reducing their service levels. Yeah, I I feel quite sorry for HMRC in many respects because, you know, they can't control the budgets and the funding and everything and the direction and the treasury and the government. 
but if you look at HMRC staffing over the last 10, 15 years, it's been cut massively. Over the last 12 months, it was cut by another 5%. That is then compounded by the fact, as you said, we've got a tax system which is chaotic and confused and contradictory in many regards. A tax year then, which is at the very kindest quirky and unnecessarily complicated. And yes, some of the issues can be perhaps improved by, you know, investment in IT, artificial intelligence, etc. But that's never going to be a total solution. You know, yes, we should try and improve the tax system in terms of making it cleaner, more logical, fairer. You know, people between fifty and sixty thousand pounds a year, for example, are not high earners unless they're self-employed or having letting income. They fundamentally shouldn't be needed to do tax returns. But with child benefit clawback, they have to do a tax return each year. So you're clogging up a system increasingly when you've got less resource in that system and more confusing regulations. And then you wonder why, you know, HMRC struggles to deliver on just basic things in terms of, you know, getting people to collect tax code or being able to register as an employer on a timely basis or get a VAT registration on a timely basis. And the delays you see in those areas these days are much higher than it was even three or four years ago. Now, some of that is because of COVID and the fact there's a bit of a catch up. And that's fair enough because HMRC had to do other things during COVID. But yes, it is a problem and there should be proper investment from the government. And historically, all the evidence shows if you invest properly, you actually get a decent return on it. This isn't sort of, you know, lost money or anything like that. This is actually, we spend a pound a day, we get £10 back or whatever in terms of, you know, proper taxes, pay timely, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's simply a case of looking at return on investment and that talking of simplifying the tax system. It's been talked about for the last 20 odd years. It's a bit naive for us poor tax advisors to ever think that we're going to get a simplified system. I do accept that, you know, it won't be fully simplified. And some of the complications are because life and business, for example, and things like that have become more complicated. But they still could do things legitimately that improve it for tax payers, improvement for advisors, actually probably get more money in and certainly are more efficient and effective. And, you know, I generally think most people are trying to pay the right money, but things like the child benefit clawback, you may have vaguely heard about it, but you won't remember it unless HMRC come along and tell you on a timely basis. And in many cases, they're not telling you on a timely basis. You finally heard about it two or three years later. Oh, and then you got five or six thousand pound bill plus penalties. And they're not telling you about it because they don't have the staff to. No. It's, uh, it's sad that we can't simplify things and we can't get the right service levels but one of the areas that you've spotted that it's throwing up some more oddities in the tax system is around employment taxes isn't it Robert? Yes so obviously I'm a bit of an employment tax geek so I like employment tax issues and obviously on some occasions people almost ignore employment taxes or kind of it's the other taxes so if you look at it from a company perspective they often focus on VAT or corporate taxes and then the kind of the pay oh that'll take care of itself for example and or just a regular employee just say oh I just pay my PAYE and that's it. I don't have to worry. Actually, there is some quirks out there, some issues that you need to be aware of that can come along and challenge you as an individual or challenge you as an employer. I think the first thing is the saddest thing, but at the moment, if we've got a recession, it's going to happen a wee bit more. Termination payments. Traditionally, if you aren't sure how a termination payment should be treated from a tax perspective, and there's lots of quirks within the termination regulations in terms of, you know, is it pylon, is it garden leave, is it ex glacia, et cetera, et cetera. You are always able to get a binding judgment from HMRC within 30 days technically although you know there's some struggle to meet that that's been cancelled now so while they may give you some feedback and kind of it'll be less official less binding so again it creates more uncertainty for the employer 
and that will create uncertainty for the individual potentially because they may suddenly need to do a tax return because they haven't had the right claims or whatever from a payroll perspective. So that is, again, part of the service level issue, but it's also disappointing because it creates, there's no win for anybody from doing that. It's a cost to people. It's really sad how we can't seem to get something as simple as an understanding of what employment income actually is in this system. But uh, I suppose, as you said rightly, the uh, the system is complex and so is life. So it, it does make a lot of things a lot more complicated than needed. And, not, and you know, again, linking into employment, and again, in some ways, a confusion of how things have changed from when you know the tax was initially legislation was initially put together to how things are now. You know, if you look at what I would call pickup vans or trucks, traditionally they were subject to a specific tax charge under our benefit in kind code, and that was basically a lot lower if you use a company van compared to if you had a normal company car, for example charged massively lower, typically perhaps a quarter of the cost that you would otherwise pay. Now, the reality is over the last few years, the division between what is a van and what is a car in real life has become a lot more confusing. And they get a lot of these vans now that can actually also seat four or five people and take stuff you know, in the way you need it. And so there's a court case a couple of years ago, the Coca-Cola case, for want of a better name, as to whether these should be subject to the company car legislation or the van benefiting kind legislation. And that's basically kind of decided the fact that they should, in many cases, be cars rather than vans for tax purposes. And that's basically kind of, kind of in effect, being acted into law now from July this year. But obviously, as we're getting close to the year end, I think the call for employers is, you know, if they're still using those kind of multi-purpose vans, which can be cars, can carry people, etc. Okay, you know, what should they be telling to their employers? Because if those employers, employees, sorry, are still using those vehicles, they're suddenly going to get a massive tax charge compared to where they were historically. Now, that may be correct from a tax perspective, but then as an employer, you know, what is your obligation? Should you be warning people about this, for example? I would suggest you should be trying to have some sort of communication in place so they don't just kind of get caught and have a massive shock when the new regulations come in from July this year. Yeah, that's right. And uh, another thing that catches people by surprise is the number of phishing scams we all seem to get in our inboxes these days. Now, it it does seem like uh, government departments should be immune to being imitated, but uh, not so in the case of HMRC. Agreed. And, you know, obviously, we can only ask people to be very careful if they're not sure. I think the key things for people to take away is Try and call HMRC, try and contact them in a separate way and things like that. Don't just click on links that you get, for example. Or if you get a phone call saying, oh, you need to pay X tax because you haven't paid it and do it now because the police are going to be on your shoulder you know, within a minute. Obviously, be skeptical of those type of things. Perhaps easier said than done. and you know, But it is that, you know, take a second, think about it, find old alternative information, etc. And if, for example, you're comfortable, you did make that payment by 31 January or even if you paid it late, you know, push back when you get that dodgy phone call saying you have to make a payment and things like that because 99% of those calls will be iffy and the reality is any genuine contact from HMRC, they would be more than happy for you to take care, be cautious, try and find out via a separate route before you make any settled kind of payment or whatever you needed to make. That's true and HMRC are very clear that they will never ask for payment via email and I've certainly never experienced a real HMRC officer asking for payment on the phone They and like you say, call them back, phone an, a real HMRC number. It might take you an hour to actually get through to a person with their service levels, but you'll get there in the end. Yeah, and it's one of those things where doing it correctly, yes, it, there's a time cost, but that's not real money at the end of the day. It's much better to be sure, be confident, 
and only do it when you're 100% comfortable. Thanks for those words of warning, Robert. I think that's about all we've got time for this week, but there's just time to mention Blick Rothenberg has launched its updated interactive tax planning guide. It's full of tax tips and actions that all taxpayers should consider in advance of the tax year end, and it covers a range of areas including income tax, property, tax-efficient investments, pensions and inheritance tax. It's free and well worth a read. You'll find it on the Blick Rothenberg website by clicking the link on our homepage. If you enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you did, why not give a listen to our sister podcast, Brave Business, the podcast for entrepreneurs. It is now officially one of the UK's top business podcasts. It is hosted by journalist and broadcaster Declan Kelly, and the series focuses on providing practical guidance, insights, and opinions from our industry experts and guests with real experience helping entrepreneurs make informed decisions. The latest episode has just been released and is about the challenges of moving goods internationally with Lick Rothenberg's customs duty partner, Simon Sudcliffe, and guest Charles Hogg, the commercial director at Fleet Forwarder and customs broker Unsworth. Thanks to Robert for joining me this week. Thank you for having me. Next week, Heather Self is back with a new voice to add to the tax factor. Melissa Thomas, and they'll no doubt be looking at what might be in the budget on March the 6th. I'm Roger Holman. Thanks for listening. That's the Tax Factor. We'd like to thank you for making us one of the UK's top 20 podcasts. Find all our previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And join us again next time on The Tax Factor. Tax Factor.